Welcome to The Way Home Podcast, a conversation about church, community, and culture. I'm your host, Dan Darling, here in Nashville, Tennessee. Glad to be joined today by Josh Reich. Josh is the lead pastor of Revolution Church in Tucson, Arizona. He's an area leader for the Acts 29 churches in Arizona. And we're going to talk about his first book entitled Breathing Room, Stressing Less and Living More. Who wouldn't want to stress less and live more? Uh, This book just released in October. It's a really important word for pastors and church leaders. I was deeply convicted by it. I I struggle sometimes to disconnect digitally and sort of be present uh, with people. And so this was a really good word. This is born out of Josh's own experiences in leadership and creating margin in his life. And so I think it'll be a good and encouraging word, but also challenging for us as well. Josh is a uh, popular writer. He has got a blog where he talks about many different issues like parenting and marriage and church leadership. And so you'll enjoy our conversation with him. He's a really good voice on these issues. Before we talk to Josh, I want to remind you of our event coming up January 21st and 22nd, uh, Evangelicals for Life, we're hosting with Focus on the Family. Uh, this is an opportunity for us to really make a statement in the nation's capital about the sanctity of human life. It's uh, really the first ever evangelical conference that is in conjunction with the annual March for Life. And so we encourage you to bring your uh, churches, uh, to bring young people and come and not only make a statement, but also become equipped to be a champion for life in your community. Uh, Speakers include Dr. Russell Moore, our president, uh, Sammy Rodriguez, who's a Hispanic uh, evangelical leader, uh, David Platt, Jim Daly, president of Focus on the Family. And we're going to talk about a wide range of pro-life issues, uh, not simply abortion, which is which is very important to talk about, but also end-of-life care, disability care, adoption, many of these issues that are very important uh, for Christians to, to think through. So if you come and you're a listener to the Way Home podcast, if you want to register, you can go to my website, danieldarling.com, click on the link for Evangelicals for Life, and put in the coupon code WAYHOME, that's WAYHOME in all caps, and you'll get 20% off. So you want to do that. Registration ends in January. So if you're thinking about attending, I would uh, go ahead and register pretty quickly here. But for now, let's join our conversation with Josh Wright on leadership and healthy margin. Well, I'm here with my friend Josh Reich. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. So very excited about this book that you have written that is is released or releasing, I believe, right? Um, yeah. Called Breathing Room, uh, Stressing Less and Living More. So first of all, Josh, just maybe tell me the pathway to writing this book. What was going on in your life that led you to kind of think through these ideas? Yeah, so originally, um, the book that I originally started writing had to do with uh, my weight loss journey, because uh, mm-hmm. In the process of planting our church seven years ago, um, I was 300 pounds when we planted the church, and in the first 18 months, uh, lost 130 pounds. Mm-hmm. And so, started writing a lot about that, just overall health, the things that I learned, uh, just from running into, uh, especially leaders and pastors, just a lot of people who struggle with their weight. And so, started writing about that. And um, started to put some ideas down in a book. And just as I talked with um, just different publishers or, um, or or other people who kind of had a lot more knowledge than I did, they really started to point me towards taking a lot of those ideas and just applying them more generally in life. 
And so really what came out with Breathing Room then was just this desire uh, to help people who, who are tired, who are run down, um, who have an overloaded schedule and they don't know why and they don't know what to do. And so that's really where Breathing Room came from then. You know, I think that I pastored and there's something about uh, this kind of work that lends itself to uh, kind of neglecting your health, whether it's your weight, whether it's your, your rest and, and margin and all that. Why is that? Well, I think for a lot of pastors, especially if you work for even for a nonprofit, but there's this feeling that it's never done. Mm. And one of the things that's interesting to me is how we really, we spiritualize our sin in that way. And we just talk about how people need us and how we need to be there for them and how we need to, you know, we need to answer this last email. We need to respond to this meeting request. And, and those are all good things, but, but it really just spiritualizes what at the end of the day, I think is, is sin. Mm. Um, as well, I think a lot of times, um, pastors, really try um, to save the people that they are ministering to. Um, we would never say that, <laughs> um, but they really just have this idea that if they can just meet with them one more time, if they can pass off one more resource, you know, if I can just talk to this person, then I'll be able to fix them. You know, it will fix the situation. And so we really just carry this complex then, and then this weight that we're not intended to carry. Mm. I also think, and maybe you could reflect on this, when you're doing what you really love to do and you're in your giftedness, mm-hmm. it seems like you're most inclined to neglect your health and not create sort of the margin that you're talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I I definitely think that because it's so life-giving. And you think, mm-hmm. why would I want to stop? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember, I'm thinking back to myself when I was working in sort of, you know, those sort of bridge jobs where you're you're going through college or you're sort of, you're not uh, experienced or equipped enough to kind of have the position that you'd like to have, you know, whether you're working part-time or you're working at, you know, doing things that you don't like to do, kind of the jobs that are kind of a means to an end. It seemed like it was easier to have margin. Of course, of course I was less busy back then. I wasn't married. I didn't have children. But, um, you know, you're just kind of punching and clocking out, and then you can do other things. You look at your, you keep your job in that position. But when I am really in my giftedness and doing the things that I really enjoy doing, is when I tend to sort of uh, not have those good boundaries. Well, and I think too, there's also this fear of losing that opportunity mm-hmm. that we carry around. That mm-hmm. there's this fear that, you know, we we love what we do so much, and we have this fear that if we don't work so hard or even kill ourselves in work and work mm-hmm. so many hours and push off our health or boundaries, then somebody else might come along and take our place. Yeah. You know, there might be somebody. And so we, there's this fear that underlies our leadership and our work habits um, that, that I don't know gets talked about a whole lot. That's really, that's really interesting. Like that this opportunity is going to go away. I need to seize the day. Yeah. You know, that someone else will come along and, mm-hmm and have a more influential blog or a, a larger mm-hmm. church or um, this new younger person who's going to, you know, put in 80 hours a week at my, at my company is going to rise through the ranks and, and take my opportunity. Well, and there's, and, and the other thing to think about is that really there's not a whole lot of affirmation or reward for the guy who 
rests well, and has good margin. Like no one's saying, you know, no one's rewarding or talking about or writing about or giving affirmation to, uh, hey, this person really has great margin in their life, or this person really creates good breathing room. So there's not a whole lot of incentive, right? Well, and not only that, if you, um, if you, so we have kids, we have five kids. And Mm -hmm. when we get asked by parents about doing, you know, different teams or anything, if you turn down the opportunity to be on a team, parents will look at you like you're crazy. Mm. You know, they'll just look at you like they just almost like they don't have a category for why you won't sign up your child for four different teams Mm -hmm. or, um, be on six different committees. There's almost like not a category for people who choose to, to try to live a, a life that doesn't kill them, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that doesn't make them tired. Because mm-hmm. um, it's just so ingrained in our culture now that you're just, you do it as many things as you can. Mm-hmm. So I want to I think through some of this. Uh, on the one hand, you have Jesus who set an example by going away and, and resting, right? Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you have statements by Paul saying that he was gladly spent and will be spent, that he worked harder than anybody. Yeah. You know, how do you navigate the tension between those two? Yeah, well, and I don't know, sometimes I feel like we make tensions that aren't always there, because I feel like you can, you can work harder than everybody else, and yet pull away when you need it um, to be able to have those boundaries. You know, I, I can know in my life how much I can handle in this next season. And I think, too, one of the things that, that my wife and I have talked a lot about is understanding the season that you're in for your life or for your job, that every job has busier seasons, every family has busier seasons. You know, it's dictated by school if you have kids. But just understanding when those seasons are and being prepared for it, planning for it, and understanding what the ramp up to that season is going to look like, mm-hmm. what it's going to look like to come out of that season. Because what happens is we go from one busy season to the next and they begin to overlap. Mm. And so I think if we're able to, because I think you can rest, you know, follow the, that rhythm of working and resting and still say at the end of your life, I left it all in the field. Like, Paul said, yeah. you know, I ran the race, you know, I mm-hmm. finished, you know, I kept the faith. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing for me that I keep going back to is, um, especially for leaders. So one of the experiences that we had about three years ago, we were with a group of about 50 pastors and their wives. And half of the room was either on sabbatical, about to take a sabbatical, or had just come off a sabbatical. And and so I started to ask them, you know, what went into that? And all of them were just tired. All of them were run down. Some of them had planted their churches three years ago and were on sabbatical. Mm. And so there seemed to be just this conversation of, well, how do you not burn out? And and one of the things that my wife and I started to talk about was, what if that's the wrong question? You know, because Paul talks about finishing in life, you know. So what mm. if as a leader we started to ask, how do we finish well? Mm. Like, what would it take for us to be able to get to the end, to have good health, good community, which most leaders do not have because they're not very good friends? And what would it look like to get to the end and finish? And... While it's kind of a similar question, I feel like it gives us different answers and it changes our perspective on things. 
And so that's a question that we've challenged our staff to ask at our church that we continually come back to, and I feel like that's been really helpful for us. Mm. It seems to me, um, like what I hear what you're saying, and it, it, it resonates with me so well, um, that you know, rest and work are not enemies. In fact, they work together, right? So yep. um, by putting margin in our lives, it seems like we do two things. I'd love you for you to elaborate on this. One, we actually set ourselves up for maximum impact for the long haul. Mm-hmm. And number two, I mean, rest and margin acknowledges that we are not God, that we are frail, we are human, we are dust, uh, made from dust, and that we need to acknowledge that we are weak and uh, we're not Lord and sovereign over our own lives, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anytime that you lay down, I mean, even with an unfinished list, you know, if you're a list person, mm. you know, you're acknowledging, hey, there's just, I didn't get to everything today. Mm. Um, and I always tell people one of the things to try to think through, how can you live each day with a vacation mentality? Mm. Meaning that the day before you go on vacation is your most productive day of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you make your list of 35 things that have to happen. You run all over town, you return email. And at the end of that day, there are still things that are not crossed off, but you go on vacation the next day. Mm. Um, and so to live with that, it is a tension and it is a fear that some people have that they struggle with, you know, an unfinished list because of, you know, wanting to control it, but to just rest that and say, you know what, I got everything done today that I was able to get done. And, um, and one of the things that we've, um, that I talk about in the book is that one of the best ways to have breathing room in your life is to give everything that's important in your life, attach a minute to it. Mm. And so we tell people this as pastors all the time when, they, when someone says, well, you know, I'm too busy to read my Bible. We'll say, well, you know, you need to schedule it. You, know, you need to put it on your calendar. You need to decide where you're going to do it, when you're going to do it. You know, it's not just going to happen. And then as leaders, we do not apply that same advice to our own calendars, to our own lives. And then we say, well, I don't have time for this. I don't have time to get to this. I, you know, I didn't have time to exercise today. I didn't have time to you know, to read or have time to laugh with friends or, uh, or whatever it is. And it's because we didn't attach a minute to it. Mm. You know, one of the things that I think complicates finding rest and margin and breathing room and having a good pace is the fact that we're all wired differently. So me personally, sometimes I will look at people who are highly disciplined or just highly sort of ordered in their wiring. You know, I'm, I'm disciplined where I need to be, but I'm, I'm a creative guy. I'm just thinking at the sort of 30,000 foot level all the time, ideas. And so guys like that can sometimes be intimidating for guys like me. Sure. And I think sometimes the work-life balance conversation can be legalistic in the sense that like, here's the template that some people do, therefore everyone needs to do it. So speak yeah. into that that problem. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. I mean, every personality wrestles with rest in a different way or understands work in a different way. And and so, you know, I think when you start to think through, you know, do you use this ideal week over here or this, you know, to-do list system, you know, some of that has to do with what works best for you. Um, You know, for years, I've tried to get my wife to use like an electronic calendar Mm. because that's how I operate best. You know, I have everything on all my devices. 
Well, she still likes to have that big, huge calendar, um, you know, that's a big paper notebook, <laughs> you know, that she writes everything in pencil, and I'm dumbfounded by it. it, it to me, it just looks like a mess because there's just things written everywhere. But I think it's understanding how you're wired and what's going to work best for you um, where you are. Yeah, that's that's such a good point. And my wife's the same way. I'm more digital and she's more analog. Yeah. And I think people finding their own sort of space. I'm curious for you, what are some big changes you made in your life or what are some ways that you created Breathing Room that have worked for you? Yeah, well, I think first it was starting with a lot of just understanding why I didn't have space margin, balance, whatever you want to call it. I mean, we, we have five kids under 10. Our church is seven years old. It's growing. And so I, one of the things that often happens is we'll try to make a change in our life and say, you know, I'm, I'm too busy, so I just need to cut all this stuff out of my life, or I'm in debt, so I just need to get out of debt. But we don't ever understand what led us there, why we're so busy, what drove us to that place. And so for us, it was beginning to understand what what's our propensity to run really fast? Like, why do we have a hard time to say no to somebody? What what makes that difficult? Why? Uh, and understanding what's underneath that. And for me, a lot of that came out of my journey of just losing weight and, and just understanding why I found comfort in food. And so at the same time that I started to see how I would find comfort in a very busy calendar, um, in, a, in a busy schedule. And so I... I always tell people the first thing you have to understand is what got you to where you are. You know, why are you in that place? And so uh, I was talking to a, a leader recently, and she just made the comment. She said, the reason that I don't rest is she said, I'm afraid of the silence. She said, I'm afraid to stop and what I might have to deal with and what might come up if I stop, if I slow down. And so for her, it's just this constant pace to not have to deal with what's underneath her. And so... Um, so I think that's the first thing that, that gets overlooked a lot in our desire for results or answers is understanding why you're living at the pace you are. Mm, that's really good. W- what are some practical tools that have helped you to create margin? And obviously, these everyone's wired differently, so this will work differently for sure. everyone else. But I'm always curious how people work. You know, What, what are some uh, rhythms and tools and things that have worked well for you? Well, I think one of the things is laying out your calendar, mm-hmm. you know, and understanding, okay, what am I going to give my time to? You know, what's mm-hmm. important to me? Um, one of the things that, we, that I walk through in the book is just how to create a personal or family mission statement mm-hmm. to really have, like, this is what's going to drive my life and this is what's going to be important for our family. Um, and, and so once you're able to start understanding those things, you're able because we do this in business all the time. Every church has a mission statement. Every company has, mm-hmm. you know, some kind of purpose statement. But we don't bring that same um, intensity and focus to our own lives, to our own homes. And so when you're able to, to say that, you're able to say, okay, this is, these are the things I want to give my time to. These are the people that I want to spend time with. And so I think that's a very important thing. Um, and so then out of that, you're able to look at your calendar and say, okay, if it's important, I'm going to put a minute to it, um, and so that's an important thing um, to do. So it, for me, exercise is a big part of my life right now. Well, mm-hmm. it's, it's in my calendar. It happens at uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon 
that's when exercise happens on the days that I exercise. And so when three o'clock rolls around, it's just the next thing that I do. Um, you know, in the same way that if you're going to rest, if you're going to have a Sabbath, you have to think through it. So we have five kids, four of them are boys. The idea of having a Sabbath where there's not electronics or we're not just sitting around our house doing nothing, um, since they're constantly wanting to reenact UFC. And so, you know, just making sure that you're able to plan and say, okay, this is what it's going to look like for us to rest. I think one of the things that I've learned is that resting, um, having margin, you know, catching your breath sometimes takes more planning and diligence than being busy. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to think through, okay, what's that going to look like? What's it going to, you know, the question that we ask is, what is recharging for us right now? You know, so when people say, well, what is, what is rest or Sabbath look like? You know, the thing I always tell them is, well, what would recharge you? Like if, if you spent a day, at the end of that day, what would be life-giving to you? I mean, because here's one of the big ideas for me, um, for leaders and for Christians. Jesus said in John 10 that he came to give us life that is overflowing. And yet, if you ask most followers of Jesus, do you think that your life in Jesus is overflowing? Like it is just, you just cannot, there is so much of it. Most of them would say, no, they're tired, they're overwhelmed, they're dealing with past hurts, they're, they're trying to figure out if they actually believe that, that God really loves them, they're, they're not sure, and, and they, have, they just have all these questions. And, and so I think one of the things that we have this opportunity as pastors is to say, no, like, this is what it would look like for you to live into that life. This is Jesus' invitation to you. And so... So life-giving, I mean, that might be working with your hands, that might be um, playing with your kids, it might be taking a nap, it might be reading a book, it might be doing art. Um, and so we try to infuse those things into our life um, to say, what would be life-giving? And so a simple exercise that we did a few years ago was we listed out everything that uh, we do that's life-giving or that we would want to do that would be life-giving, the people in our lives that were life-giving, and then we listed all the things that um, just took the life out of us, the people that took the life out of us. And when we did that, we realized we were spending about 90% of our time um, with people or on things that took the life out of us. And so we've used that exercise to try to switch it. Say, okay, how do we spend our time in the life-giving relationships and the life-giving places? That's really good. Last question. As you're talking to pastors and church leaders, are you finding that pastors are more receptive to this message of finding margin and rest? Are they resistant? And are pastors and leaders generally now uh, doing better at this, or are we doing worse? I think in some ways, pastors tend to be hopeful cynics about this. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that they're hopeful that this could happen. You know, I mean, because they, ha- I mean, they have verses on their side, but they're also just cynical. In there is such a culture in our church and in our country to to not live a sustainable life, um, and so just for them to figure out what would it look like for them to stop doing some things, to say no to some things, mm-hmm. that tension of there's an event at my church. Well, what if I'm not there? What if, what if there's but, you know, I, I even had this tension as a lead pastor when our student ministry does a big event. I'm like, well, should I be there? You know, and, and there's this, like, inner conversation that I have about it. And, and so, but I think, I think pastors are probably doing worse just because, at least in um, the circles that I've run in with church planters, there almost seems to be this idea now about sabbaticals because it's kind of making this resurgence. 
mm-hmm. recently of more and more people taking sabbaticals. And, and I, don't, I don't think they're wrong, but I think what's happening is people are talking about, well, I'm just going to run and run and run, and then I'm going to take a three-month sabbatical. Mm-hmm. And, and I look at that and I think, that's going to be a miserable three months. Like, mm-hmm. you're going to be able to barely move. Um, and I had a friend who had to take a sabbatical for six months because he literally could not get out of bed mm. after preaching. Like his body was just so wrecked from the pace that he was taking. And, and so I feel like pastors just are not doing a very good job at this. And so then our churches are because we don't have anything to point to. We read verses about rest and Sabbath. You know, we read verses about Jesus going away and then we don't do that. And so our church goes, well, it's, I guess it's not for me. Mm. That's really a good word. Better to establish good rhythms over the long haul than kind of sprint so much yeah. and then you, you collapse. That's really like I good. Said, I mean, I think there are seasons that you sprint. I think mm-hmm. there are seasons you run fast. I mean, we are, um, we're in the middle of one as a church. Um, you know, when you get to holidays for the church, for Easter, I mean, those are seasons as a pastor that you're running hard. The beginning of a ministry season... But I think it's understanding when those are. And I, most of the leaders that I talk to, if you say, are you in a busy or a slow season, they just look at you with kind of a confused look. Mm. That's interesting. Well, this has really been a good word, uh, Josh. I really appreciate it. I encourage everyone, all the listeners, to get this book, Breathing Room, uh, Stressing Less and Living More. We'll have links on the podcast page on my website. Thank you for joining us, Josh. Appreciate it. And praying for you and your ministry there in Arizona. Hey, thanks for having me, Dan. Well, I want to thank Josh Reich for that conversation. And a reminder, if you enjoyed this podcast, would you let us know by sending an email to wayhome at erlc.com or writing a review on iTunes or Stitcher, however you consume your podcasts. And if you want to enjoy other podcasts, uh, you can see them all listed at danieldarling.com. Click on the podcast page. I also want to remind you about our event that I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, Evangelicals for Life hosted with Focus on the Family in Washington, D.C., the 21st and 22nd. If you want to get a special 20% off discount, go to my website, danieldarling.com, click on the Evangelicals for Life link, and put in the coupon code WAYHOME. That's WAYHOME in all caps, and you can get 20% off. But for now, thank you for listening to the Way Home podcast. The Way Home is recorded and produced by Gary Lancaster. Research is conducted by David Clausen. Scheduling is handled by Marie Delph. The Way Home is a production of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention.